0: As parents, you want to have all the answers, and we can help with that. Welcome to Boston Children's Answers Kids' Health, a podcast brought to you by Boston Children's Hospital. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Arnold. As a neonatologist and mom, I'm always looking to the future of pediatric health care and how to help parents raise happy, healthy kids. Join us as we share tips and answers from the nation's number one children's hospital. Now let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Today's episode is about sports specialization in young athletes. To kick things off, let's hear from Karen, a mom who has a related question. Hi, my name is Karen, and I have two kids who are both athletes. I live in what we call a hockey town, and it just seems like so many kids play it all year long. How do we know if that's the right thing to do for our kids? Thank you so much, Karen. This is a big question on the minds of many parents, especially while they're driving to and from the rink, the field, or the gym. Here to help us discuss this topic is Dr. Michael Beasley. Dr. Beasley is a physician in Boston Children's Sports Medicine Division and a team physician at Northeastern University and UMass Boston. Welcome, Dr. Beasley.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Ah, thank you for being here. I'm super excited to talk about your field, sports medicine, you know, kids and athletics, and I thought maybe before we dive into the the topic, can you tell me, you know, something about what it's like to be a sports medicine physician? Like, what is that specialty really?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a pretty unique specialty and a pretty diverse specialty. We can train in anything. I'm trained in pediatrics before sports medicine, but any primary care specialty, so emergency medicine, family medicine, internal medicine physical medicine and rehabilitation, any of those primary specialties can then sub-specialize in sports medicine. And a lot of it is focused on musculoskeletal injury and trying to get kids back to sports. But we kind of do anything for the athlete. We do most of the concussion care. Uh, We do a lot of endocrine work with stress fractures and bone health and athletes with diabetes and athletes with systemic disease. Our, Our goal is to treat any athlete who has any problem. We're happy to be a part of it.
0: That's really great. The only time I've ever seen a sports medicine doctor in our family was when my son fell and had a concussion and they were amazing. And, you know, now my son's into sports, so we may have to talk later. (laughs) So let's talk about the topic for today. In general, what is sports specialization in in kids specifically?
1: Yeah, I think it's something we're actually trying to get a wrap on. It's something that we don't define very clearly. I think we're still trying to figure out exactly what it means. Most of the time somebody refers to sport specialization, they're talking about a young athlete who at a younger age decides on one sport. That usually means you're playing eight to nine plus months out of the year, and that usually you're foregoing participation in other sports to really just focus on that one sport.
0: Why do you think that's become so popular today with so many kids and families?
1: I think there's a couple of reasons. One of the main reasons is that people wanna have success. Young athletes and families of young athletes want them to have success and maybe play at the college level or at the even professional level. Everybody has that dream. And so there's an underlying idea that's not only within ourselves, but I think promoted by some of the youth sports groups, that skill development, if you focus on this sport, you have a better chance of reaching those aspirations. Uh, That's not necessarily true. We don't have evidence to say that, and maybe some evidence to the contrary, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but I think the other uh, aspect is that there is this almost, we call it a pseudo-professionalization of sports. It used to be that you played the sport that was the season. You played fall sports, and you played spring sports, and uh, you played winter sports. And now we have this ability to play for these other organizations, and they've really become this major scheme of sports, uh, and it's uh, the youth athletes are playing a lot of times, more often than the professional counterparts. The Professionals have a season, uh, and the youth sometimes don't. They just play year-round.
0: Wow, that's that's pretty intense. You know, I would think for kids, I, again, I, I think about my own experience in sports. The only thing I did growing up was cheerleading, and you're right. Like I saw, you know, we cheerlead for, you know, basketball or football based on the season, and we did not really have many athletes that stuck with the same sport year-round like we do today. You know, as this has become so popular, you know, what are some of the pros and cons?
1: I think initially it seems like a pro. It seems like if I can have my son or daughter involved in this sport that they love so much and we can do it more often, then maybe that they will gain more skills in this. Maybe they have a better chance of that next stage, be it on the high school varsity team or on the college team or beyond. The data doesn't really support that as much as we think it makes sense. We don't have any good evidence that early specialization or specific specialization will increase your skill in any given sport. Uh, hopefully we can develop more research to, to show that and show the, the benefits and the negative side of that. The cons are pretty obvious once we get into it as well. By only going into that sport, you're negating development of skills through other sports uh, as an athlete, but also as a specific sport athlete. And so you're using the same muscle groups again and again in the same activities year round without significant rest then we start to see overuse injuries come up. So there's great evidence to support that early sport specialization increases your risk of overuse injuries. Not necessarily acute injuries like an ACL tear or something like that, but injuries like stress fractures or these other stress injuries like we see with little league elbow or little league shoulder. It's clear that early or specific sport specialization increases that risk. So from a physical standpoint, the con is a uh, higher risk of some injuries. From a from a mental standpoint, we see burnout. We see kids that younger and younger get involved at really high degrees and then lose interest over time.
0: Wow, that makes all the sense to me, right? You get burnout because you get tired of it. I again, I've I've seen that with my kids. I was trying to encourage swimming all year round, and this season of you know the winter season, my kids have both said, "We're done. We're tired of swimming." And I'm like, "Oh no!" But (laughs) I probably you know should have just given them the break and. See if they wanted to do it
1: next season. There's no question that you can have earlier evidence of burnout or just not enjoying a sport as much. And that can be as superficial as, I don't really want to play this game. I don't really want to do it this season. Uh, And maybe those are the early signs. It can really become a lot more severe than that. Sometimes we get an increase, what we call sports identity. And that is this idea that an athlete identifies so much with their sport that the highs might be high, but the lows might be really low. So that if they struggle to perform well, if they have really put their identity in that sport, that doesn't necessarily have to do with their skill level. And if they find themselves not performing at the level that they think they should be at, or perhaps the coach or the parents kind of think that they should be at, then that can have really detrimental effects. And we see a lot of early stress, anxiety, depression in young athletes who sport specialize because they've really only put their identity into that sport.
0: Wow, just hearing about all the pros and cons, it was coming to my mind that how challenging puberty is already but then to think about how that also depending on where you are in puberty you may or may not be at more risk for certain types of injuries or affects how you your body responds to to playing a, the same sport
1: and i think we have to have a little grace with that and i think it's hard for the athlete to do it but i think as parents as physicians we we have that ability uh, as coaches we have that ability and so i think that's where the idea that if you take somebody who's still developing and you have them specialize Maybe they're only trying to really develop these elite skills that maybe their body's not ready for. But if you develop them as a whole athlete and you work on speed and agility and mobility um, and strength and all of these aspects, they can apply that whenever they continue to develop, however they continue to develop in any sport that they want. But if we just focus on this one set of skills, and we see this uh, with our athletes a lot, that we can have these young athletes that are elite at their sport they might be the best hitter on their team. And then we do kind of simple functional aspects of engaging their core, moving themselves correctly, and they struggle with it. And so uh, really trying to develop all aspects of the athlete beyond just one set of sports skills is so important.
0: That's really great advice. Now, does age have anything that you see to do with the pros and cons of specialization? How does that impact it?
1: Yeah, I think it depends a little bit on age, but also development. I mean, if we look out at any given team, if you see a team of nine-year-olds or a team of 14-year-olds, they're not the same. Uh, And so when they hit their development can really make this huge difference in what their abilities are, and then even how they might develop and what their injury patterns might be. For us within uh, uh, sports, We're looking at growth plate injuries all the time and how one develops and when they develop totally changes that. And so that changes what their injury patterns might be. From an overall con standpoint, the biggest thing we think about from a physical perspective is increased risk of injury. I think one of the things that the research world within sports medicine is trying to look at is when that age might be appropriate if we are gonna go towards sports specialization. And not only age, but sport makes a difference. So some sports, the top level actually happens pre-development or pre-pubertal. So if you look at figure skating, diving, gymnastics, a lot of their top elite-most athletes haven't really gone through full development yet. It makes more sense maybe for those athletes to specialize much earlier. For a baseball player or a football player, their max elite level is going to be long after uh, full development and puberty. and so. Not only is it an, an age matter of trying to develop muscle groups and trying to develop sort of this neuromuscular connection of how to involve your muscle groups, but it's also a matter of what sport you play.
0: That's really so helpful for parents to think about as they're trying to decide how to support their kids in specialization or not. I'm curious... For for parents like myself who you know are trying to find that balance of supporting their kids' goals and potential specialization versus not, are there any signs that parents should be looking for to help
1: prevent burnout? I think you have to look at both the mental and the physical. The physical, I suppose, might be a little bit more obvious. The physical signs of somebody who's perhaps over specialized or spending too much time is going to be recurrent pain or injury. So there's great evidence to support that early sports specialization uh, in any given sport increases the risk of overuse type injuries. If you have uh, a baseball player who's complaining of recurrent shoulder pain uh, or recurrent elbow pain or you have a running athlete who continues to get stress injuries, you have to pay attention to that. I think every young athlete has potential for injuries, but if it seems like the same thing is happening again and again and there's not clear trauma or injury to cause that, you have to ask questions about why that might be. And that could be from the sports specialization. That could be development from the athlete. And maybe there's something we can look at for that. And that's a lot of what we do. From a mental standpoint, sometimes that hides from you a little bit more. Part of the sports specialization is a real – keeping up with your peers problem. If you're on the school team and all the rest of the school kids are playing for the town team, you're gonna to wanna to play for the town team. And if the town team is gonna play for the club team, you're gonna to wanna to play for the club team. And so there's this pressure to maintain and be with those same peers, not only because you wanna be in a social group or have success, but even a sense of development. If you say, Well, if they all play an extra season and I don't, are they going to be better than me? Are they going to be better than Mm -hmm. me at this sport? Am I going to lose position or am I going to fall backwards? Uh, And the reality is that that's not the case. We don't don't have any evidence to support the fact that that's going to make you a better athlete or better at that sport. But I think mentally you look for that. You look for this sense of less of of an excitement to be at that next event and more Mm -hmm. of a sense of pressure. We see that in sports specialization, there's a growing sense of self-identity within a sport. If your child has a sense that, boy, after every loss, it just seems it really uh, has a negative effect on them that they struggle to overcome. I think there's an identity issue. And then you just look for this sense of they're not enjoying it as much. It's more of a sense of pressure for them to get out there. And it becomes less of a them dragging you to get there to the field on time and more a sense that you're having to really push them into it. Wow. But there's some kind of simple rules that we follow to say these are the best ways to avoid some of these overuse risks or uh, long-term specialization risks. We say that on any given sport, even if that's gonna be your main sport, there should be at least three months out of the year that that athlete does not play that sport. And that should be in one month increments. So you don't take one three month and then they play nine months straight. There should be one month increments at least that gives their body to rest. They should um, have real sense of how much they practice or work on skill development versus just competitive training and so there is some evidence that if you say i'm 75 percent of the time i'm either competing or training to compete that your risk of injury is higher versus younger people especially uh, if we can get them to really just train to develop their skills and not just focus on competition that they're much less likely to get injured and so The exact timing of that is difficult because there's so much variability in the growth. But there's some general rules that we say, hey, uh, you shouldn't practice more hours per week than your age. Or in general, 16 hours seems to be a pretty good rule. If you go above 16 hours per week of training in a specific sport, your likelihood of injury increases. And so we try and find those balances. And so that's sort of general rules. And then I guess you just have to pay attention to some of the signs of those physical or mental aspects to try and pull back some.
0: Well, wow, that's really helpful tips for, for parents, I think. Thank you. For For you and your team, your colleagues, um, have you actually seen an increase uh, in sports injuries over the last several years?
1: Yeah, I think we have. Uh, uh, there's no question that because sports medicine is is a newer and developing field that we're probably being filtered a lot of these things more so than we have in the past. But I do think that any of us who are in practice see the increased risk of not only maybe frequency of injuries, but injuries that we typically would see in older athletes now creeping younger and younger. Mm-hmm. And so ACL injuries, there's no question we're seeing this more often. I think Tommy John ligament or the UCL uh, ulnar collateral ligament of the elbow that we see in pitchers, we're seeing that now in the younger and high school ages when that was almost exclusively a college and professional problem. And now we see it all the time. Uh, and so there's definitely higher level injuries that we're seeing more often over use injuries like stress fractures, we're seeing way more than we used to. There's no question that some of this sports specialization or even just the year-round training uh, is having an effect on injury patterns.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's good for parents to be aware of that you're seeing this and that we have to be tuned into it.
1: Yeah, and I think that we do have to have that awareness because uh, I I hear it every day in clinic where we think of our version or the parents think of their version of what pain used to mean and it used to you you think like, Well, yeah, I had knee pain when I played sports, I had back pain when I played sports. But because they're training at such a different level, the risk of injury is different. Mm-hmm. And so I do think we have to be a little bit more serious about Pain that's consistent, pain patterns that are consistent, injuries that when we used to just say, oh, you give it a couple of days rest and maybe it'll be fine. It sticks around for a reason. These are bigger injuries that we have to pay attention to.
0: Well, yeah, it's, it's important. Thinking along those lines, you're seeing trends in, in sort of injury patterns. Are there things going on from a research perspective right now that your team is working on to help prevent sports injuries?
1: Absolutely. There's a couple of versions of that. I think as individuals in sports medicine, we all have little niches that we focus on. And a lot of it is concussion injury prevention or specific stress injury prevention and then treatment patterns of how do we do that and how do we get them back to being active as athletes, not necessarily back to their sport immediately, but the sense of like, how do we keep them there? I always talk with patients about my, my job is not to get you back, it's to keep you back. And so if we can if we can get kids back into sport in a healthy way, that's our goal. And so we've done things like the McKaylee uh, the Center for Injury Prevention, where we use it both as a clinic, but also as a research facility, where we're trying to look at this. And essentially, this came from Dr. McKaylee, who started our department. We used to see all these athletes and every time they would come in with fill-in-the-blank injury and we would look at some of their biomechanics or some of their flexibility or some of their training patterns and we would kind of think to ourselves well of course you have this injury that makes sense based on what we see here and so then we say why don't we work backwards from that and so then we started to say hey we can see you for these injury prevention evaluations and if we can track patterns of injury and patterns of training and pattern of biomechanics then maybe down the road, ideally, we can alter training patterns and alter some of these things to try and minimize these injuries.
0: Wow, that's really, really helpful. So you mentioned concussions, and that's something I think that's on the mind of a lot of parents. Um, You know, for me personally, I know that's something that we've always been on the lookout for our kids, and we've had concussions in in our kids. So do you have any specific advice for parents um, around how to prevent and even manage concussions, specifically?
1: It's a difficult topic and uh, it's definitely something that we do. I do a lot in my practice and it's different than everything else we do in sports medicine. So many of our injuries are things that we can image and get an MRI and see and then have time courses for and concussions much more difficult. Concussion is a little bit more art than science right now. And uh, we're definitely developing the science. Uh, We were just at a conference and the concussion research interest group that I'm a part of was standing room only because people really want to answer the questions that you're asking me. And so I think management, we've got a fair hold on. And that's moved around a lot in the last 10 years. But I think the focus now is really looking at the difference between what's safe and then what's not safe. And safe is pretty quick return to activity if we can, safe activity. So we found that when we sort of did dark room cocoon therapy of total rest, we didn't make kids better that fast. We find that if we push them really fast into all the school and all the activity, we didn't make them better that fast. And somewhere in the middle lies the truth. But we also find that, Our concussions seem to be lasting longer nowadays than they did even 10 years ago when we look at the data, and I think part of that is how we respond to it. And so we find that if we take kids immediately out of school and out of their sports to try and keep them safer, get them better, what we also do is really disrupt their life. We take them out of their social circles. We probably increase stress and anxiety, and they worry about falling behind in school, Uh, and maybe we're not doing them favors by trying to rest them. And so now our management really is, number one, you have to be out of risk of a secondary injury. That's the primary priority. You cannot return to contact or collision risk. But school can be safe. Screens can be safe. Exercise is safe and maybe even protective against prolonged symptoms. And so what we try and do is we live in what we call a sub-threshold world. We try and do things that don't push kids into feeling actively worse. But if they can be present in school and do okay, can they do a little bit more work and do a little bit more work? If they can do some low-level exercise, can we get them working a little bit harder and a little bit harder? And we find if we step them up, both in a return to academics and a return to exercise, as they tolerate, those kids get better the fastest and probably fall behind the least. And so that's our main goal at management at this point. Some of them are really prolonged and require some other advanced aspects of management, but that's the mainstay of most concussions. Prevention is trickier. We've struggled. We have things that prevent structural injury like skull fractures and brain bleeds, like helmets, and they work great at their job. But their job has historically not been to protect against concussions. Concussions are a different beast. They're less from a direct linear force or impact and more from the change in acceleration or rotation of the brain. And so a helmet doesn't necessarily protect against that. Pads or mouth guard don't necessarily protect against that. So we're struggling. We're struggling to prevent them. And so then you try and beat it at the source. You say, can we make rule changes in certain sports like we've done in hockey and seem good success? Can you make changes that you've seen even at the pro level of what hits are allowed and what version of hits are allowed can you change that a little bit and then there's some evidence that neck strengthening and postural training and this a sense of awareness during the game of where hits could be coming from can help as well Mm. Uh, but prevention is really hard
0: yeah I'm sure I mean I think for all parents, we're also thinking like, you know, are there certain sports that might put my child more at risk for concussion? And those decisions are hard because you want to prevent it, but yet you don't want to prevent your child from doing the things that they want to do and supporting that.
1: Yeah, and we clearly have data that show us trends in concussion. We know that, uh, especially for males, American football, in most studies, tends to be the highest risk. But we know that ice hockey and lacrosse, these are all collision sports as well. Mm -hmm. The Part of the goal of the game is to collide. Wrestling we see as well. In females, uh, soccer tends to be the highest number. But it also depends on what study you're looking at because studies that include cheerleading show that cheerleading might be one of the most dangerous sports that we have for concussion. Hmm. And so it really depends on what study you're looking at but the contact to collision risk is a major part of the game. That's going to be your highest risk. And then age factors in as well. Because if you look at younger kids who are less likely to be an organized sport, if you look at, say, 10 or below, the most common uh, mechanism for a concussion is recreational play. It's mm. just kids doing regular play. Yeah. And so, uh, again, that steps in where prevention can be really difficult because, sure, it makes sense to pull somebody out of football if you say that's my highest priority to – stay away from concussion, but in reality, life is not concussion proof. A lot of recreational play can be dangerous as well.
0: Absolutely. Sometimes just walking outside can (laughs) put you in that situation. This makes it hard to be a parent. So, Dr. Beasley, you know, I just moved from the south, and now I live in the north, and, you know, it's very different climate in terms of weather and, you know, the types of sports that seem popular, uh, at least that's what I'm hearing from my kids. How does geography impact uh, what sports are played and the likelihood of injuries?
1: Yeah, I think historically that was probably a bigger factor. We used to sort of be able to draw a line down the United States and say, hey, south of this line, you're higher at risk for baseball injuries. North of this line, you're less at risk. Hmm. Uh, We probably see that less now because we've really developed a lot of indoor baseball skills, indoor uh, sports specializations so that kids anywhere are playing year-round. We do still have data trends that show us that in the south – Outdoor sports can be played way more, and so you're more likely to sports specialize. You also have things that are less musculoskeletal, but things like heat stroke or heat illness, mm-hmm. that are, are a totally different beast when you're looking in the south versus the north. So, there's no question that injury patterns or things that we have to worry the most about can be affected by geography. But those are those are morphing a little bit because of how, how much available skills we have.
0: Wow. now. You know, in general, so I'm I'm thinking about, you know, I'm a physician, so I know sports medicine doctors are out there. And if I need one, either for advice for an athlete or because I've had an injury and seeking help, you know, how and when should parents find doctors like yourself in sports medicine for their kids?
1: Yeah, uh, early and often, I suppose (laughs) I would say. I think um, there's a lot of us out there. We have a big practice, and I think sports medicine, especially in the pediatric and adolescent athlete world is growing in a huge way and it's not just sports medicine doctors it's we have a whole team it's physical therapists it's athletic trainers it's mental skills coaches we we just have a whole team of people that are that are really dedicated to taking care of athletes and so I think there are wonderful primary care physicians and pediatricians who have done their own training and additional skills that might be very comfortable with a lot of these aspects there's a lot of times where maybe their niche is not sports medicine and they'd prefer to send to us, We're a big group here at Children's. We've got a lot of us who are taking care of these athletes. And so we're happy to see if it's day one of the injury or, uh, um, uh, you know, you've tried other treatments and they're not working. But um, I think there, there's a growing world of sports medicine teams that are available.
0: I you know, speaking on behalf of myself as a parent of, of kids who are much more into athletics than I was, it um, it's just so reassuring to know that now we have specialists like you to be able to help us navigate these difficult questions about what's right for my kid and how do I try to prevent injury, but yet be supportive and get them to be the best that they can or want to be. I think that's phenomenal. So
1: yeah, it's, a, it, it's a more difficult world every day, I think, in sports, uh, but I think there's there's better team members there for it
0: is great. Well, Dr. Beasley, we've talked about a lot of different areas um, related to sports medicine and kids. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that you thought our audience would or should uh, hear about from you?
1: I guess I would just circle back to say as much as we talk about these risk factors and all the things that we're trying to prevent in terms of injury, uh, Maybe we haven't talked enough about how wonderful sports are, and as I think most of us who are in sports medicine, that's why we're here. We (laughs) want to get athletes back, and I think our biggest focus to try and prevent injury uh, is sure we want to treat injury, but really we want to maintain this activity. The benefit of sports is unquestionable for all of our youth, and not even sports, but just exercise and activity in general. We have lost no question, we have lost a little bit of our physical activity in our world. We see less and less PE, less and less regular recreational play. And we lose skills because of that. We lose physical fitness because of that. We lose health because of that. And so uh, I think sports, activity, exercise, these are amazing avenues for physical development, for cardiovascular development, for mental skills, social skills. There's just so much benefit from sports that as much as we find these little pockets where we can have risk factors, I would just maintain that, that sports are so important for all of our youth.
0: Yes, like, like everything, right? It's always moderation, I feel like. And, and you know, being active helps mind, body, soul, everything. That's really great. great. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, it's been really great to get to chat with you. Um, we've talked about so much related to sports that I hope it's helpful for our parents.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: thank you. Now on to doctor's orders, where we prescribe an action you can take to make you and your family healthier. Encourage your child to participate in sports. It can be a great thing. It's good for their fitness and coordination, and it can also provide a group of friends and support. However, it's important that they give themselves the time they need to rest and that they don't lock into any sport too early. Tell them that just like they need a well-balanced diet, they also need a good balance of using their muscles in different ways. And maybe they'll learn that they're great at something they wouldn't have even considered trying before. Finally, tell them that whatever sport they try, you'll be there to cheer them on. Well, it's time we wrap things up. But first, a big thanks to our guest expert, Dr. Michael Beasley, and our guest parent, Karen. If you want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on the latest episodes. And for more information, don't forget to check us out at bostonchildrens.org kidshealth or find us on Boston Children's social media pages. Thanks for listening, everyone.